The world is evolving at a faster pace than ever before. And as we begin the path to recovery after worldwide disruption, this podcast explores how the design industries can adapt to changing expectations and create a better future for both your business and your consumers. I'm Carla Bazashi, Managing Director of WGSN and your host this week. You're listening to Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. This week, I'm joined from her home in Paris by Lisa White, who as well as being Director of WGSN Lifestyle Interiors, also leads our Creative Forecast team and is absolutely the person to speak to if you want to know more about how products will evolve in coming years and seasons. We chatted about the acceleration of consumer trends for the interiors category, such as buying less but better, the importance of combining e-commerce with bricks and mortar showrooms, plant power, and the restorative effects of colour in your home. So without further ado, let's start the conversation. So Lisa, it's been months now of huge change uh, for everybody working in this industry, but also for consumers. And what I'd really like to explore today is the changing consumer behaviours, the ones that we've seen during the pandemic, but also ones that we think uh, will continue to evolve uh, as the months go by. And really what that means for those in design industries who have been creating products that people want to buy for their homes, how those things are changing and what that means for people working in this industry today. So I wonder if you could kind of cast your mind back a few months uh, to the beginning of this and talk a little bit about what you've seen uh, in terms of how consumers reacted to begin with and which of those behaviours have continued uh, as the months of lockdown have progressed and eased and and got more difficult again, depending on which country people live within. It's really interesting because when you said go back a couple of months and I've got this image of everybody heading to the supermarket and buying everything they could and bringing it home, all of the pasta, all of the toilet paper. And it really was a feeling of we need to line our nest. We need to create a space where we will feel secure, um, where we we will be able to function um, for we don't know how long. And that is definitely something that has panned out. There was the first knee-jerk reaction. And it was interesting, too, because it was a very emotional reaction. Uh, People weren't buying, you know, rolls and rolls of toilet paper because they needed it. They were buying toilet paper out of fear. Or they were perhaps buying things in, like lots of flour as well too, because of that need. What if we'd run out of bread? And how can we create something in our homes where everybody will feel safe and secure? And that definitely continued throughout the pandemic and is still happening now. Um, Still at supermarkets, you're seeing, you know, there's more flour on the shelves, but it's still something that, that goes pretty quickly. So that first reaction of how can we create a nest, how can we create a sanctuary space, has been something that we are going to be seeing evolving into the autumn winter into next year as well too, because now the home is a hub for everything. Do you think this has been a, a positive thing um, uh, as people maybe, you know, sought to kind of create these refuges for themselves and their families? I mean, lots of people have experimented with new um, dishes. They've cooked things that perhaps they wouldn't in the past. Can you see some positivity in all of this? Believe it or not, I can see a lot of positivity um, in the people that we've been speaking to, uh, whether it's from a work perspective or a family perspective. They're like, I have more time than I ever did before. 
So I have time to think about how I want to live. I have time to spend with the people that I care about. And I have time to think more in my, in my work as well, too. So I think in many ways, people realized that time was going to be something that was a gift uh, from, this, from this pandemic, if you will. And people are asking themselves, how are, how are we going to be using that time and better using it in the future? So one thing I think we have to acknowledge both now, but also looking to the future is people's kind of curtailed uh, spending abilities. Um, Lots of people have lost their jobs. Uh, Many people have been furloughed. Uh, People are very anxious about a looming recession Um, and consumers are buying less. I mean, that that is the reality of this situation. What does that mean when it comes to what we have in our homes and what people might be willing to spend money on? It's interesting because the trend for um, living with less and buying less but better quality, we've been talking about that for about five years now. And really, that's been on our radar and it's been accelerated by the pandemic. And getting back to the home, um, it kind of goes back to that William Morris quote, that really famous one um, from the arts and crafts movement, which you know came upon all sorts of other social political movements as well, too, including the Industrial Revolution. And he's saying, don't have anything in your house that you do not know to be useful or believed to be beautiful. And people are really asking themselves those questions like, do I need this? And if I need it, okay, I will buy in that appliance because that will help me bake better bread. Or um, yes, I will get that new set of linens because that will make me feel so much better and much more relaxed and I'll be able to sleep better perhaps. So I think people are being more careful. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of savings happening right now as well too. People are kind of, you know, wary about where they're going to spend. But where they are going to spend their money is when something is going to make a big difference in their lives and if it's going to be something for the long term. And we're really moving towards a long-termism in our thoughts. I love that William Morris quote. I use that all the time. I think, you know, pandemic or not, that's something that product designers should be thinking about uh, from an environmental perspective. Um, I think it's good kind of for all aspects of the industry. You mentioned, so you've mentioned cooking a few times there. You kind of reference sleep when you're talking about linens. And these both these things, it kind of comes back to your first point, which is how do you create more of a sanctuary? People are anxious. Sleep is being prioritised. Um, baking, cooking, things that make people feel that they're looking after their family. Is there any room for kind of frivolity, you know, fun within this as well? Are there, are there kind of aspects of things that we will have in our home which are just about joy? That's really important because if you've got joy and you've got mood improvement, you can deal with things that much better. So we've been seeing a lot more analog games. Of course, that whole puzzle idea where people are like, I actually have time to make a puzzle. It's something I can do with the other people in my house. So that sort of joy of being together and doing something that is very um, non-tech in a way. Um, But then there's also the joy of connecting with people in a digital realm. And that was something that was very surprising that we found that we had... Um, a lot of emotion connecting through a Zoom meeting or connecting through an online game. Um, And that was another learning from from the whole lockdown situation, is that we can find moments of joy in places that we didn't know that we could before. be the only person who has um, been investing in extra plants uh, during lockdown. I have had a 
penchant for pot plants and house plants for some time, but that seems to have been the thing which I have prioritised when it comes to my spending. I've been buying plants online and new pot plants, and the minute the garden centres opened up, that was kind of my first port of call. Uh, in many of the conversations you and I have had via video, I've seen your beautiful plants uh, in the background as well. Is this a trend that's here to stay? Is this an opportunity uh, for uh, brands that don't stop that kind of thing at the moment? Maybe not the plants, but there's certainly the things that people are going to put their plants in. Definitely. And that for us has also been a very long-term trend. We've got a report out right now that is talking about the trajectory of plants that we've been covering for about five years. And plants are really interesting because interior designers will tell you that that is one of the most effective luxury upgrades for your home. You're bringing in green spaces, it looks fantastic. Um, but it's also good for company, especially for people who are living alone. You know, having plants are something that you can really um, uh, take care of, uh, like you could a pet. And of course, pets, that's a whole nother, that's a whole, whole nother region that has been doing well as well. But definitely plants are continuing. They will purify your air. They will bring you mindfulness and calm. So we are definitely going to be seeing that over the next five years developing as well. So that whole sector, whether or not you actually sell plants for a living or whether or not you want to add that into retail when people are going back out into retail, they feel safer around plants as well too. And whether or not you're going to have that like amazing new planter that people are just going to be, um, you know, shelling out for. Um, I want to talk about the home office for a moment. So uh, clearly many people have mm -hmm. been working from home who hadn't worked uh, from home in the past or have been working more from home if perhaps they had kind of flexible working uh, ahead of this. Um, we're hearing a lot big companies uh, changing their working patterns, uh, talking about the fact that even if a vaccine's found, even if we get to the next normal, uh, they're unlikely to demand that their employees are in the office so much. What does that mean for interior design? What kind of products uh, will people be looking for? And I don't mean the kind of office chair. I've definitely resisted some kind of plastic monstrosity, which might be good for my back, but looks horrible in my rooms. Is there opportunity there? Is this something that brands should be prioritising? There is a huge opportunity because I did the same thing um, because my lovely designer chairs were not good for sitting in eight hours a day. So there's not a lot out there in that space between a comfortable office chair and a designer office chair that can actually or a designer chair that can fit in with your home. So that's important. Um, people have been buying desks as well, too, to get organized and to be to be staying organized and for their children. But even more so, um, your laptop is your office. So you can take that wherever you want in the home. And actually the key thing is to make sure that you're moving around during the day. You said, I've got a space too with a lot of plants. So I sit there when I need to concentrate to, in a certain way. Um, then you need to move it someplace else so that you get a different kind of light or a different kind of task that goes with the area that you're sitting in. So I think that you need basically that office storage that can follow you around as well too, where you've got your, um, you know, your cables and you've got your headphones and that type of thing in your notebook. But the, the office, the way we thought about it before, the home office within, you know, a separate space and, you know, big desk and, you know, all the books, that's not necessarily going to be the office of the future, especially for millennials and Generation Z. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting at a desk right now, which I've moved about three times today. It's quite light and small, depending, A, on the Wi-Fi connection, which uh, seems to be thing which rules m most of my day. But you're right, also the light, uh, just trying to kind of keep that sense of energy going uh, as the working day progresses. Those of you who are watching this rather than just listening to this will probably see in the background I've got lots of brightly coloured cushions. I'm a person who thrives on uh, a kind of vivid environment around me. It's 
colour, I think, is going to be so important uh, at the moment because there's this kind of balance between people wanting to feel uplifted but also calmed. Product designers, where do they go with this? Because I think it could be potentially quite challenging to, to kind of tick both of those boxes that they're thinking about their product source, assortment. It is really important. And to address this, we um, have two key reports uh, on WGSN. One is restorative colour. So there's colours that are going to nourish us and help us restore a sense of calm. But then also emotional colour and the effects that colour has on our emotions and how we can... Um, I mean, if I was going to you know, bring it out into two broad uh, directions, you would have this sort of calming... Uh, pastels that we're seeing as well too that kind of keep your your mood really on a on a on a great you know even level and that looks fantastic in industrial spaces as well really really new but then you also have the very nourishing colors as well which are sort of the pumpkins and um you know, the greens and the browns, which are important. Actually, I'd like to add a third one too, which is the joyful color. Those, you know, the bright um, pinks and that type of thing that are going to really um, feed us and uh, wake us up and make us feel very joyful as well. So depending again on the space in your home that you're in, you're going to want different types of colors to bring about different emotions and different tasks at hand. So as I, um, I'm browsing online, and let's face it, um, most of us are doing our shopping online, even in countries where uh, retail bricks and mortar has opened up again, um, product assortments are very limited at the moment, which is unsurprising when uh, lots of brands slow down their orders from wholesalers. As we're sort of beginning to come out of this, if you're a product designer or a buyer, merchandiser sitting within the interior space, where do you think they should be prioritising their spend and their design power to ensure that it's products that people, people are going to spend their money on versus ones that they might think, well, I'll wait another four, six months or maybe even a year? Exactly. I mean, because we know as well, too, there's a lot of retailers that are putting certain products aside for next summer as well. So what you're going to be need to be thinking about in that case is what can I design to make those products that are being held over still look amazing next summer? Um, it's also thinking about things that are, what are the products that are really people going, what's going to touch them? And there's a lot of self-care products that are really key. It's the candles, it's the scent, it's that cushion that's going to make your couch look completely different or that rug. Because we're going to be see people wanting to styling up their homes with what, with what they already have. And that's really important. Bringing those heirloom pieces that you inherited from your grandmother, along with you know, that favorite chair that you have from maybe your university years. And then something new that's going to make you feel like, wow, I actually got a makeover for my home based on a couple of cushions. So it's really being very strategic about getting that product absolutely right in the color, the material, and the finish, so that people will be like, this will make me feel so much better about my space. It makes sense as well, because then you're hitting kind of two huge demographics. You've got the homeowners, but you've also got renters as well, where a purchase on a cushion is absolutely uh, uh, possible and useful versus a sofa, which might have been supplied already or that they don't know will fit into future properties that they might live in. Um, Let's move on to sustainability, because this is an area that uh, here at WGSN we've been passionate and evangelical about for some years now. The uh, sad reality is when people's spending power is curtailed, uh, environmental concerns sometimes go lower on that priority list. Um, and certainly our hope is that the industry will continue to prioritise that. How can people balance that when they're thinking about designs? How can they prioritise that when they're thinking about pricing uh, of items? I think it's really important as well, too, is we're seeing the prices go down on certain sustainable uh, materials. And 
people are actually going to be asking themselves that question when they're looking into the formula behind a product. They're going to be looking at that. Is that beautiful? Is that useful? And is it sustainable? Because a lot of people are very aware of what's happening with the climate crisis and how that, um, you know, slotted into the pandemic. So that is definitely back of mind. And it's also part of the story. Because when you are promoting a product, you are talking about the story behind that product. And that storytelling element is so crucial. And we have a very discerning consumer and they want value. They want a low price, but they also want an authentic story that touches upon sustainability as well. It's going to be very difficult to continue um, producing products that are just cheap. e-commerce so I already said obviously people are buying online and those kind of things is this the step change uh, that the home interiors industry needed to move the consumer from bricks and mortar to being comfortable to making perhaps those bigger purchases uh, online or purchases it in the past like a sofa or something that they would have felt much more comfortable having tested out we've got quite used to mattresses because of all the great direct consumer mattress brands but do you think this is a shift that will continue or do you think the minute that uh, lockdowns ease, stores reopen, people feel more comfortable being around others that we will want to go back to the more traditional way of buying these big products for our homes? I think that the e-commerce is definitely going to continue. People do very feel very comfortable with that um, and they really want the ease of being able to order something in and having it delivered within two or three days to their home um, in one day if you live in the United States. But I think what's really interesting too is we're seeing um, a resurgence of showrooms. And this is basically, you know, um, was something that you normally was frequent by interior designers and more high-end types of things. But now having that showroom um, that fits in and slots in with uh, the e-commerce is really key because people do want to go and sit and they want to touch. And uh, our clients that have showrooms are saying that they're doing really well. People feel very comfortable making an appointment coming in, social distancing, having the entire showroom for themselves and coming away with a sense of what the products are, especially those larger products. So that's going to be a really interesting combination of e-commerce plus showroom. Okay, so that's kind of the advice you you give to, I guess, brands that are big, who are used to doing things in a certain way, but also the direct consumer brands who are evolving very fast at the moment and providing a bit of an alternative. They, they still need to be thinking about some physical space, uh, as well as ensuring that people can, can get their stuff online. Exactly, because it's really hard to send a sofa back. Uh, so you do um, basically want to be sure that you're trying out the one that's going to fit the best for, for you and for your family. Okay. So uh, for the people listening to this, what's the, you know, guess one or two pieces of advice that you think they really need to take home if they want their business, their brand to thrive, you know, in this next normal that's just around the corner for us? I think the most important thing is, I would say, being flexible. And that's as good for the interior space as it is for your brand. You need to make sure that you are ready to pivot at a moment's notice, that you've got the digital as well as the physical, and that um, you are ready to question things and to be able to react to them and to change um, quickly for the next season. So flexibility for interiors, but that also for an interiors business is going to be extremely important as well, too. And I think, you know, some of the other things that are important, too, is how can your product, if you are actually producing a product, how is that actually making your consumer's life better? 
because it's not, again, just about need and it's not about necessity. It's about emotion and it's about what can this product actually bring me. So you really need to make sure that you have that story behind the product and that you have that care taken behind the product because just having a product isn't going to be enough. And on that, are you talking about purpose? Are you talking about personalities behind brands? What, go a little bit further on that thought of the kind of story behind a product. Well, it's definitely the purpose and the personality behind the brand as well, too. But it's also what that product is telling you. Is that something that has um, been actually, uh, you know, loomed and printed by hand in a country that would need, um, you know, a little bit of a boost as well, too? Are you making sure that you are um, promoting what's happening with artisans? Are these local artisans? Are they artisans across the world? Um, so it's a little bit about how that product came into being, as well as the ethos and the personality and the purpose of your brand. Okay. And just to finish, um, lots of our reports on WGSN lifestyle and interiors at the moment are about this idea of make, do and mend. Uh, and consumers now being more comfortable with secondhand, vintage or things that they've upcycled. Now, this is obviously can be quite a challenge if your job is to create new products how can how can brands capitalize on this? How can they kind of go with this trend and make it work both for them and that kind of ever thrifty consumer? Well, I think it's important too to propose things to help the consumer make do and mend with. So if you are selling a product, can you sell that, you know, you know, that um that mending kit with it? So you know if something happens to it, you'll have it for the long term. Um if it's a vase, for example, maybe you've got a kintsugi kit, you know, in case something happens and it breaks or some lovely dishes or that type of thing. So you've got something that you're selling the product as well as the craft that will help, you know, repair that product in the future and actually make it a little bit more meaningful as well, too. But then also people love the vintage look, but they want to have things that are fresh as well. So it's really showing how you're styling things, how you're styling your product, your new product, with something that has been kept for generations and mended and really having that juxtaposition, that is going to be bringing the newness. so much to Lisa for taking the time to join me today. It was a really enlightening and hopeful conversation as well. And thank you too for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please subscribe to the show, which is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you really like what you heard, then please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out there. If you'd like to find out more about some of the topics we've talked about today, then please head over to wgsn.com where you can find out how you can get access to all our insight and analysis. We are constantly publishing new content around how design industries can create a brighter and better future. So thank you again to Lisa. I'd also like to thank our podcast producer, Roland Bodenham. And thank you for listening. Peter Marin will be back in two weeks' time for the next episode. So until then, stay well and healthy. (music) Thank you.